here's a good question to get out of this is like what am i pretending not to know i mean the longer you know the longer we, we keep answering that question eventually something's gonna happen right that's we hear these stories all the time right like this is when stuff starts to explode that's when like physical ailments start showing up that's when you know we get max stressed and burned out well it, that doesn't just happen like that overnight you are listening to the medicine podcast i am mimi what is up everybody this is chase so long story short we were childhood sweethearts turned husband and wife in our early 20s Despite following the mainstream script for happiness, we actually divorced for three years. Only to later reunite as soulmates with a brand new outlook on love, God, health, and the real medicines of the universe. If you find yourself wondering, is there more to this life, to health, to God, to love? Then you are in the exact right place. Consider this your bridge to expansion for body, mind, and relationships. We are uncovering and discovering with you. Let's go take the medicine. Hello, lovers. Thanks for joining us today on episode 98 of The Medicine. One of the practices that Chase and I love as quality relaxation time is reading to each other in the evening. <laughs> I know we basically sound like grandparents, but it's truly magical. And the book we are currently reading to each other is called Personal Socrates by Mark Champagne, who is also our very fun and extraordinary guest today. After a decade of working on corporate teams in sales, analytics, and product management, Mark left to study the minds of elite thinkers. Mark unpacks the mental fitness practices and reflective questions shaping the lives of some of the most successful and brilliant thinkers in the world. He hosts the top 50 ranked podcast called Behind the Human and co-founded a journaling app which reached 86.9 million people without any paid advertising. He's studied mental fitness practices for over a decade and consults with Fortune 500 companies as a mental fitness strategist and speaker. And the main idea behind his book, Personal Socrates, is... We all ask questions, but are they the right ones, the best ones, and are we asking enough of them? So in his book, Mark poses some really uniquely powerful questions based on the brilliant and successful thinkers he's analyzing. Questions like, how can I be the most curious person in the room? How do I shift fear to impact? And what am I pretending not to know? Oof, that one just gets me. It is so rich. Chase and I have realized that we can't not level up our relationship and our lives if we continue to intentionally pose and answer the right questions. Questions like these ones. They are real stepping stones. So you can grab your copy of Personal Socrates and connect with Mark with the links in the show notes. And side note, before we get into the interview, the day we recorded, we were having some tech issues and we couldn't use our regular high quality mics. So just ex please excuse that. And if this is your first time listening to The Medicine, just know that our audio is usually pristine, but on this day, it was being a little B and it was out of our control. So sorry. 
All right, enjoy this incredible conversation. And if it's inspiring to you, please send it to someone you love. Okay, bye. Welcome back to the Medicine Podcast. My name is Mimi and I have my love Chase here. What is going on? Everybody is super fired up today. Uh, we have an awesome guest today, someone who we've clicked with right away, super great energy, and he probably has the coolest last name of anyone that we've spoken to yet on the medicine. So Mark Champagne, thank you so much for being here. We are so happy to have you. Thank you. I will take that. I'll take, you know, the, between the, the last name and the full head of natural gray hair, I'll take whatever characteristics people remember me by. It was um, fun. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, thank you. Since high school. Can you imagine? No. Oh. That's wow. cool. I don't know because I don't know anyone in my family uh, that had kind of the early gray hair situation. So we'll we'll see for for the longest time it was fun to say it was salt and pepper but now i mean i, I don't know there's not much pepper in there left <laughs> we love it we love it but anyway thank oh. you for having me honestly i mean i i couldn't agree more with it in terms of how you how you set up the the intro or, or mentioned that you know we really clicked at the beginning uh, same thing right back at you and i can't wait to have this conversation i mean we're we're definitely vibing on the same wavelength Yes, love it. Well, we're going to jump right into it. We have a long list of questions for you. You are an extraordinary and interesting human, and we want to extract all, all, all the good we can today from you. Um, the first question that we ask every guest of the medicine is, what do you love in your life? What aspect of your life do you love so much that you wish you could gift to every human? Oh, the present moment. Mm because I feel like I've just stumbled on the power of the actual present moment, even though it's obviously nothing new, but throughout you know the last four or five years of, of just the whole journey and then the work that I've been doing, being able to really tap into playing Lego with my five-year-old or taking a walk and, and feeling the sun and, and the breeze and just actually being in the moment I mean, it doesn't get better than that because everything else just falls away, right? The narrative's not there, stress, the worry, the anxiety, it, it just dissipates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's so simple and it's so, it's like it, you know, presence is overused and really underutilized. Um, I was yeah. thinking about this just yesterday. Um, I, you know, just went for a walk on, we live on Coronado Island in, in San Diego. And I was like, I don't need my phone. I don't need yeah. to listen to anything. Like there's enough around me to be enamored with and to be flirted with by nature that I don't need to learn right now in this 30 minutes. Like I can give it a break. And something as simple as that can really kind of set the tone for your day where you're you're present in your work and you're present with your loved ones and your partner. And it's, it is so overlooked, I think. So I think that's, yeah. Well, and it's just that like, you know, it's, it's the simplest of concepts, you know, to dial in, we all have access to it, but it's probably the hardest thing to actually access. Right. Cause to your point, I mean, it was the same way. I mean, I'm going to go for a walk. Well, I'm going to dial in a podcast and learn for 30 minutes or, listen to an audiobook. I mean, I've got to be productive in that walk, for example, right? So I think it takes 
And this is where I, where I really like the idea of leveraging questions and, and different mental fitness practices to help, but it takes that pause to, to come to that realization that it's okay to not feel productive because it's just that, even though we're way more productive when we actually you know deploy this stuff because we're, we're present in our work then after as well, right? We see the detail, um, but easier said than done. Yeah, or, or even the long-term productivity is amplified by the fact that you've you've given yourself this present moment, this break from the habit stacking that we're sort of all uh, nudged to pursue in kind of the self-development space. Yeah. And, you know, even going back to Legos, like talk about getting present. That I mean, for oh, me, yeah. as a kid, that was that was absolute uh, dreamland, absolute play, and that's full presence and. As we take on some of these practices in the self-development space, like meditation and mindfulness and getting into presence, I think so often in, is, is this, this manifestation effort mm -hmm. instead of this manifestation, this embodiment of an energy mm -hmm. and speaking to presence and speaking to Legos. It's like, what happens when I'm playing Legos? I'm completely losing track of time. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting anything in my you know, literal world to-do list or problems, and I'm rather just so focused on the task at hand that I've kind of lost track of even who I am as a, as a human being, maybe even like you forget your name or something. So what is that energy and how do I yeah. sit in that during meditation or during manifestation instead of this sort of like forced yeah. pursuit of accumulating something out of totally. manifestation? Totally. Well, and then, and then things, I love your language around forced pursuit because the the things that we do want then actually start showing up because we can see them, right? And I mean, there's so, so many different ways to access this essentially like a flow state in terms of what you're describing. And I remember I was interviewing Stephen Kotler at one point for, for my show. And if for anyone that doesn't know, he's, he's a huge researcher in flow states and, and runs his co-founder of the Flow Research Collective. And I remember him just sharing this, this example of, you know, when he's writing his books, he's, he, he's ensuring that if it's in the winter season, there, there is ski time booked in his in his calendar because flow, the, the, the results of a flow state, that creative output and how you think that the science supports that that shows up up to three days after you actually did the activity. Wow. So again, right? Like I know at the time, because we're programmed like this, that, and I'm the same way. I mean, to take that, if it's an hour, an hour and a half or whatever, to go do that activity in the middle of the day, whatever it is, it just, it feels wrong, frankly, right? Like I can't, I can't do that, but you actually get the benefits of that, not just that day, but for th potentially three days. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely going to keep that in mind the next time I think about sacrificing a, pla uh, a placeholder that I have on my calendar for something personal. Uh, you know, like, oh, maybe I can squeeze that meeting in or I'm going to knock out that, you know, that work thing that's come up. I'm definitely going to yeah. keep that in mind next time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and something that popped into my mind is um, what is this like rule or this myth? It seems like it's a myth that if we're not sitting down or doing work for eight hours, like uninterrupted, it was somehow an unproductive day yeah. when as we're going to get into, sometimes it's just like, asking the one right or simple question that can create so much more abundance or possibility or clarity in your life. And it's one simple thing. You didn't have to sit down for eight hours. I think it's so, I will speak for myself, it's so ingrained in me 
You know, mm -hmm. as a dental hygienist, I was at work at 6.30 in the morning till, you know, 5 p.m. And that was a work day. And yeah. so now transitioning as an entrepreneur, that's what a work day is like. You know, there's this neural pathway that that's what work is. And I'm slowly peeling back the layers of like, hey, it doesn't have to be for me, especially as uh, a projector. I think you said you're a projector as well, uh, human design. Do you remember? Oh, oh yeah, the, the human design. Um, no, it was, is it, was it projector? I'm drawing a blank. I could be wrong. I'm but drawing a blank, yeah. I was yeah. your episode with Christina Rice, who is who introduced yeah. And um, I thought that I remembered that because I, I think she actually, because she, yeah, now I remember. She asked me the question, and I, I've my, I actually went through this process with my sister-in-law. She did the whole thing with me, and I remember thinking, like, wow, this is this is bang on. But I didn't, I didn't, I don't have like that report. And Christina was the one that said, I bet you you're a projector. So that's well, probably where you got that from. One of the things with being a projector is that your the structure to your workday at least for my chart was like it doesn't have to look like the cookie cutter workday in fact you actually do yeah. better when it's not so yeah. anyways all that to say like we we can allow ourselves a different approach to work and um anyways but i i do want to get into uh your life and your book and your work here and um the first question i have for you is um you have this phrase in your email signature that I just love, and it seems like it's a sort of mantra for you, especially right now with your work, but it is better questions, better life. And I just love it. And diving into your background story a little bit, where did this mantra come from? How did it become so important to you that you put it in your email signature? <laughs> well, thank you. Um, the, the mantra, I mean, truthfully, the mantra came out of writing the book. What has been consistent over the last 12 years or so though, are the important, or I should say is the importance of questions. And I, I didn't, I didn't have that realization until probably about five years ago when I left the corporate world. So I spent about, you know, eight or nine years in, in corporate space and sales analytics then brand management which was the kind of the, the end of that experience and the consistent though throughout that time and I, I essentially started the those jobs or that the, the first job right out of university I remember we were all hired for the sales job like a group of us and and all going away for this three-week training program essentially and I remember thinking well if we're all going to the same training and this is a sales job, I mean, how possibly am I going to stand out from a group of salespeople where, you know, we have incentives and this and that, and we have to hit numbers. Like there's, I've got to do something different. And I don't know why I, I, I wish I knew why. I mean, I think it's probably baked into my childhood in some, some capacity, but there was something in me that said, get up a bit earlier and just read positive content. And at the time that was blogs, books, and then eventually podcasts, you know, came on the scene and whatnot. But when I was taking in that content, it quickly became very apparent that no matter who I was reading about that was being profiled or was being featured in, I remember there was like Success Magazine was one of them and Darren Hardy and whatnot. And then all the, Robin Sharma, I was reading all his blogs and books. 
And it came, became so evident that 100% of these people had some sort of reflective practice. They may not have called it journaling. They may have, uh, you know, just incorporated it into their life in their own way. But the, the practice, which, which I define as what journaling is, was reflection. And they were all taking time to think, right? So I started doing that. I, I would read the content. I would see the questions that were being left behind in the content. I, I would copy that because I was, I was doing it digitally. Copy it, paste it somewhere. And this just went on and on for years until eventually getting to the point where I was frustrated with the process of this essentially digital journaling because I was traveling a lot. And for me, you know, uh, a digital option is, is what worked. And that's what sparked, you know, the whole idea to leave that world and actually jump into the entrepreneurial world and try to create a, a journaling app or something to help guide people into this practice. And I'm only sharing that because that's when things went to the next level and where the idea that like we're all one question away from a completely different life at all times or you know that's the grandiose part of it and i experienced that and i've seen so many others experience that but we're also always one question away from a completely different mindset in the moment our mood everything right it's it, it we, we can't be upset and fearful and grateful at the same time so you pop in a question that, that pulls into, you know, what can I celebrate about today? Immediately, you can cut that narrative. So that's, you know, just going through that work, I, I just remember thinking, wow, I mean, there's like, we're all asking questions, but are they the right questions, right? Are they, are they, and, and I don't, I don't believe there are poor quality questions. I think what makes a, a really good question is that it's well-timed in our mm -hmm. lives. Yeah. Right? And that's what kind of leads back to the idea of, of better questions, better timing, better questions, the quality, the whole package. By default, you have a better life because yeah. you're clear and you're, you're acting with intention. And then all of a sudden you start to see, you know, right back to how we open the conversation, you start to see a whole other world of possibility because you, you are clear. You're not fogged with all of these narratives and all of these decisions, relationships that may no longer be serving you because you've taken some time with some good questions to slow that down, right? And release. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's so good. Um, you included it in your the introduction to your book and I, I've heard you speak on uh, other podcasts and things, but could you share a little bit of when the big question that you asked yourself when you were sort of in this trans transitory um, position in your you could life. say it when my life was exploding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes three of us here. We've all had like our lives exploded and yeah. we had to ask really important questions. Can you go into that story a little bit? And what was this very important question that you ultimately answered and that changed your life? Yeah. So, I mean, to set, set some of the context, uh, as I mentioned, I, I had this idea to create this journaling app and, and, you know, at the time, just for, for people to, to, to drop into that, that era, I mean, I think, not I think, I know, I mean, at that time, the meditation apps were really starting to take off, Calm, Headspace, and whatnot. And I just remember thinking, okay, so people are open to being guided digitally when it comes to meditation. But at that time, there was nothing that really existed for journaling. There were apps that were out there, but they were more so almost like glorified word processors. There was no guidance to get people started. And, you know, 
the way I was doing the practice was the, really trying to implement prompts that were relatable in my life and work. And, and it wasn't, you know, disconnecting and going on a silent retreat for a week working like that stuff all works. And that whole group of, of individuals in the wellness space and meditation and yoga and all of that, they already have those practices. But what about the whole rest of the world that is on autopilot essentially and, you know, is, is just going through the motions, which I was as well. I mean, I was essentially moving forward in, in this corporate career and I felt quite happy. I mean, it wasn't a situation where I couldn't stand going into work. Um, but what was there was that I knew if I didn't try this, this idea that I, there would be some regret and that I didn't want to live with. And that was enough to, 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 to decide to leave essentially that career and try this, this app. And we did. And I partnered up with my brother-in-law who was the co-founder of the app. And he, he's been an entrepreneur his whole life. So there was some confidence there that, okay, I, I don't know what I'm doing in this space, but you've got a little bit more experience. Uh, both of us were not developers. That was, we joke about that one, that, that, we should have found a, a technical co-founder probably for this app. But all to say, I mean, we got it out. We built something that we were proud of. We had a ton of different brands and people providing content and all these collaborations, which ultimately led to us reaching 86.9 million people with this wow. app. Which, I mean, we had no benchmark, obviously, to, to compare, but we knew that was like a shitload of people. So we're proud about that. Um, but in the same year, as I'm looking at that number on the, I'll never forget that Apple dashboard and, and looking at these app store impressions, uh, the next step I had to, had to take was to delete it and shut down the business. And I mean, there's a whole host of reasons there. I mean, we, we learned a lot. There's, you know, financially, we just, we ran out of cash mentally. We were pretty taxed and, and our business model just wasn't working. The people were coming in and they were leaving just as fast and, there's no doubt that other things that we could have done to probably prolong and keep things on the market, but we were we were at our, our at our end. But the feeling of deleting that app and the identity, essentially my identity for the last three years, that's what really you know felt like a kind of a sword in the stomach because the questions that I was asking at that time were essentially all the wrong questions. I'd say low quality questions, which were how could we fail at such a colossal level? Like, what would my family think? What would all my ex-colleagues think that I, I still to this day vividly remember their, their reactions when I was saying, you know what, I'm going to leave. I have this idea. They had such excitement in their face. They, and I could feel it. They, it. It was almost like they wanted to say, I have an idea too. You're so courageous for leaving this security to go do it. And then now what? Like, now what am I going to say, right? And that just started throwing me into a bad, bad looping narrative of, of fear. Like, how am I going to pay my bills? What am I going to do now? Worst part about it, my backup plan, which was always the answer to what's the worst that can happen, which would have been go back to the old industry and job. That just did not feel aligned anymore. I wanted to stay in this preventative health and this mental fitness. I mean, that really lit me up. So now my backup plan's gone and it was bad. I mean, it was just, I just remember waking up feeling physically sick and like looking in the mirror and just almost not recognizing, you know, who I was staring back at. Right. Um, until I was able to pause 
it, it's interesting your 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 first question because what really got me out of that out of that state was to actually dial into the present moment mm-hmm. as much as possible and use gratitude type practices to do that because it was just enough amount of time to pause all of that fear and remember well wait a second I've interviewed hundreds of people that have gone through situations like this details different but like gone through the stress of it and they're asking very different questions they're asking questions that are progressive and pull you out of these things and get you back on track and that question for me was what do I want for my life Mm, I love that that you know that led to the next question and then the question after that and eventually got to a place where there was a plan and now the hope was back right and you know here we are (laughs) yeah that's so that's so wonderful that you that you were able it sounds like maybe retrospectively now it's easier to speak to than when you're in the moment and and you're asking these as you say low quality questions and I think that that's such an easy thing for us to get into is how could I feel so what are people going to think what am I going to do and how am I going to feed my family and these are all you know they're valid questions but as you say they're low quality yeah and I, I want to drill into that because uh, like what is what is low quality versus versus high quality like what are some of the indicators of of a low quality question well I think there's a balance between you know Mimi as you're saying like they're they're valid questions but not valid questions to loop on. I mean, it's important to understand why the business failed. And I I only think, I I really only identify with the word failure from, it was a financial failure. It it succeeded in, I would say, 80% of the rest of the business, right? And it's the only reason I'm speaking to you right now. It's the only reason I've written a book. There's the only reason I'm lit up about this work. So there, there, and my, the network of people and, and the stunning humans I've met because of this, that's for me, that's the, that's the success, right? So it, it, but it failed financially and that, that's why we had to shut it down. Now, low quality or high quality, like I said, I mean, the low quality keeps you in that phase and keeps you looping in a place, it not even keeps you in the phase. I was, it's the first time in my life where I could feel I was in a in a somewhat of a of a depression, and I remember thinking, "Wow, this is how it happens." Because I could see, if if this situation remained the same and I didn't do something, I was going to be in a deep depression and not know where like what was next there. And I just remember thinking, "It is that easy to go down that down that road unless I make some sort of change." And and again, thankfully. I, I'm talking microseconds of these practices to cut that narrative or pause it to then get into these questions that will, you know, progress you forward, right? Like, yeah. what do I want for my life? Or what makes me happy? You know, what would the ideal day look like if if all flowed in, in, in a way that would be ideal? Like, what does that look like? It's not to say that every day is going to be this giant happiness fest, but at least you've thought about well, these are the elements that I know will work, right? And it, this stuff still comes up to this day. I mean, it, today's been a bit of a day of, of, of calls and whatnot, and they're all great conversations. But again, I, I could have taken the 15 minutes between the last call and this podcast to just bang out emails, but it's sunny outside, and I want to be present for you guys. You're, you're taking your time to, to bring me on the show, and I want to show up, right? And selfishly, I know I'm going to feel better by doing that, right? So they're just these, and that's a question. 
right? That, that, that I had to ask myself, like, what, what would make me feel my best to come on to behind the mic? It's not going to be replying to emails, <laughs> right? Okay, you may have never done this, but next time you brush your teeth, turn your toothpaste tube over and take a look at the ingredient list. You'll probably see things like sodium fluoride or sodium lauryl sulfate or sorbitol or artificial colors like blue dye number one. These are major hormone and gut disruptors. Do you see glycerin in the ingredient list? That's made from GMO vegetable oil, my love. It's toxic to your cells and actually blocks your saliva from doing its job in mineralizing your teeth. As a registered dental hygienist and lover of true holistic health, I quit using commercial toothpaste and dental products a long time ago. They just do not meet high standards for long-term health, no matter what seal you see stamped on the front of the tube. The ingredient list doesn't lie. If a product is going into my mouth and into my body multiple times a day, every day, in my opinion, it should be clean, reliable, and free of hormone disruptors and gut irritants. Which is why Chase and I have completely made the switch over to Living Libations dental products. They are packed with ancient healing herbs, gentle oils, and alkaline buffers. Our favorite is the Neem Alkalinizing Toothpaste. Only a tiny dot is needed, but you'll feel your whole mouth come alive as it breaks up bacteria colonies that cause bad breath while keeping your saliva alkaline, which is essential for a healthy mouth. Not to mention your teeth will feel super smooth and polished. To try for yourself, go to livinglibations.com and use the code MEDICINE, M-E-D-I-C-I-N, for a nice discount. They have a wide variety of products to choose from and amazing customer service if you have any questions on which product is right for you. When we know better, we can do better. And now, you know. Cheers, boo. Yeah. Yeah, so it seems like there's these times where, uh, you know, it's really easy to to kind of fall into these questions that are linked almost in our ego, you know, external rather, rather than like internal, like high quality, low quality, seems like the lower quality questions are like outward looking in versus high quality questions. You're going in first and looking out um, is, is what it seems like to me. You, you know, when you're thinking, what makes me happy? What's an ideal day? It's something that you're going to have to reach for the answer in here versus reaching for the answer out there. And that's something that we talk about all the time is like the answers are always in all of us. There's nothing yeah. that, that exists outside of you that you can't access within yourself. That's just yeah. something that, that came up for me. Yeah. And, and, and with that big question, like for you, like you know, what makes you happy? What do you want to do with your life? They, they seem like we should all be asking, we should all be thinking this yet. I know for in my life, there were moments when I didn't want to think that. I didn't actually want to have to think through that answer. Maybe that was because of the realization that I wasn't doing anything in alignment with what that would actually ultimately be. Thus, I'm just going to shove it in the corner and not look at it. But what do you think keeps people, uh, you know, maybe yourself at times, from actually looking at that question and starting to take action to answer it? 
That's, I'm so glad you brought that up because, I mean, and I, I fall victim to this as well. The, the, the questions aren't the, the hard piece. You know, the, the, the part of the, the answers that we're scared to hear, that's what's hard, right? So we first, I think we have to go into the process with acceptance of taking time to think about what, what matters, obviously, and also just set up some ground rules for ourselves, right? Like don't, there shouldn't be any self-judgment. I mean, this is, this is for us. And at the end of the day, the longer we keep lying to ourselves, or, or answer, and here's a good question to get out of this is like, what am I pretending not to know? I mean, oh. the longer, you know, the longer we, we keep answering that question, um, with the same thing, I mean, we're, we're just stacking that and, and packing it and packing eventually something's going to happen, right? That's, we hear these stories all the time, right? Like this is when stuff starts to explode. That's when like physical ailments start showing up. That's when, you know, we get max stressed and burned out. Well, it, that doesn't just happen like that overnight. Even just a simple example of it, we've probably all felt this, like when your neck and shoulders start to get tight and you, you, the narrative is, I really need a massage. I mean, there's probably something before the massage that drove all of that tension in your body, right? And we know what that is, but we're pretending we don't know what that is, right? Nutrition is a big one too. Like we know when we're not eating well. I mean, so I think, I think there does need to be an, some sort of shakeup. I mean, I, I don't wish upon anyone like massive stress or these big catalytic kind of events, but there does need to be some sort of realization to, to, to rock us off the autopilot. Because if, if, when we're not asking questions, that's when we are on the autopilot. And, yeah. and you don't even realize you're on the autopilot, right? Because it's just you're flowing through and, and life and society is pretty much set up in that way, right? Back to nutrition, you, you jump into a supermarket or a grocery store. I mean, if you go in there on autopilot, you're coming out with garbage food. Yeah. You're not coming out with healthy food following the flow of traffic there. Yeah. Right? Or the end caps or the stuff that you buy when you're paying. So, I mean, the only time I want to be on autopilot is if like the, the pilot is taking a break, flying the plane, like then go on autopilot. But any other area of life, if we can ask the questions to pause that and just think, you know, like, is what I'm eating fueling my, my health or disease? Simple question. Right? Yeah. And it just, it just pauses you a bit. Right. Yeah, definitely what I'm, what I'm hearing from this, and I, and I love it so much. I think we often hear, you know, the term reframe often. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's reframe this and, and, and essentially change the trajectory of the decisions and the actions that I'm taking in my life and, and setting it towards the target on where we want to be. Well, what I love about this and, and, and reframing in the form of a question is it, is it sort of leaves a um, create your own adventure type uh, way with which you can live your life. Instead of just like constantly reframing, almost chronically reframing to the degree that you're bypassing the feedback that you might actually need in life uh, yeah. to redirect, I think reframing in the in the in the sense that you do it through question leaves this sort of like initiative, this this inspiration for then living and answering the the question um, just through your actions and through your decisions. So I I definitely love using questions instead of just what sometimes turns into like chronic positivity by yeah, yeah. in the self-development space. I yeah. love questioning because it, it assumes that there's something more to be learned. Yeah. Totally. Well, and it applies like this is where, and you remember that how it all started, at least for me was 
reading positive content and interesting content that I mean let's let's be honest was inspiring me in some way right there's interesting information there but the second half to take that from just being information to actually being something of value and, and applicable were the questions because the questions give us the pause to then implement that right and, and that's why the book is set up in the way it is because it, I, this probably answers your question better about just like how do people kind of stop pretending you know that they don't know the, the don't know the answers to some of these big questions but if you can be paused and inspired by I don't know a Picasso or Jane Austen or James Clear or something and that's okay like that I get that because I I'm a writer or you know I'm interested in habits that sometimes is enough to, to pull us off the autopilot and then you layer in the questions to actually apply it right that's yeah. usually a good way so think I guess for everyone listening think of the areas that make most sense for you whether that's books or podcasts or blogs like think of what what you're fueling your mind with in terms of mental nutrition is it is it good stuff and if it's not you can adjust that right away but like that will help get to the questions that you need most in your life right now yeah per perfect transition into, yeah. into your book which is which is one of those things that we should all be uh, digesting and that is personal socrates uh which has been just such a blast for us as we've been reading it to each other uh in the evenings Maybe for the listeners who are all dying at this point to know exactly what this thing is all about. <laughs> uh, take us through a little bit um, of uh, the summary of what this what this includes, because it is unique and it, it definitely is uh, an angle to not only books, uh, but not only self-development, but also like this, this journaling practice that we can all take. So take us through a little bit of a summary of what the book is. Yeah. Thank you for the feedback and, and, and in how you've been using it as a, a couple, which just lights me up. Um, the book, I mean, interesting just the way where, where the conversation's been going. I mean, it's probably not a, a, a big surprise once I describe how it's set up. It's essentially what we've been talking about, which takes knowledge or information. And in this case, I've written about 40 different profiles on uh, people that, you know, I consider top thinkers of today, like the James Clears of the world or Ryan Holiday when it comes to sto stoicism. Um, to people that anyone would recognize their name, like Kobe Bryant or Jane Austen or Stephen Hawking and Coco Chanel. I mean, there's there's a whole host of them. But the whole idea is that kind of like what I was doing in my practice for, for years now, they're short, right? They're two to four or two to five pages of almost like a mini biography, not intended to be a full-on biography. I mean, that was something I struggled with as a writer to, to accurately portray these people. And that wasn't my 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 job there's a but there's enough backstory for people to jump in and understand okay this is you know almost uh you know a, a, a summary of some of their work or their, their the work that they're they're most remembered for and then the most important part how can we then use their life their story how they thought how they asked questions to be applicable to us right so the book is then set up every profile opens with a big prompt follows the the socratic method which is essentially ask a question and then ask another question essentially to get past the surface so the book provides a ton of different questions but within the profile and within the the, the prompts you have various mental fitness practices to frame it all up so that you know you have some sort of guidance to help you through some of those big questions right 
Like if you're if 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 you're asking yourself right now, you know, who am I or am, am I happy? I mean, those are big questions. So I you know I did the best I I I could to to surround big questions like that with practices that will make that those those prompts manageable or the answers manageable to at least get you started. That's so uh, yeah, we've just enjoyed it so much, and uh, I'm I was curious as we were reading last night. Um, the the prompt we're kind of skipping and going and, and choosing one that is like hitting us today you know oh this sounds really interesting let's yeah. read this one rather than you know beginning to end exactly and, as intended by the way so well I read the introduction and you yeah. told me to do that so that's what we're doing um, but the one that we read last night was what if it were possible oh yeah and yeah it was so good and it just sparked so much dialogue talking about our dreams. You know, we're in this sort of solid state. We're happy. We're good. Right. But yeah. also like getting to that next level of what do we want for our lives and what are our dreams and what if it were possible? What if we just lived in the frequency that there were no limitations? And yeah. so anyways, we had great dialogue um, from that prompt last night and it, it got me thinking though, as you are basically writing a summary of these people's achievements and the big questions that they're asking um, and, and inter interviewing them, obviously, are you getting them to say, this was my question, or are you looking at their, their life and their achievements and kind of assigning and kind of tagging that question based on your observations? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm glad you asked that. It's, it's, um, it's a mix, but I would say probably 80% of the profiles of the of the prompts especially the opening prompts are inspired by their journey especially the one for the people that have passed right because it was it was really hard to i mean i wasn't sitting with them and it depends, some some of these people like jane austen i mean it's been hundreds of years yeah, right, right. <laughs> since she's been around um but you can, you can, again, the idea was to draw some conclusions or some perspectives that, okay, well, based on what we know about her work and, and how she wrote and, and the life that she had lived, like, what would be valuable for us as the, the readers and, and I guess the practitioners of these profiles or, or you're leveraging these, 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 um, these practices how can we take that perspective and make it unique enough that it, it, it shakes us a bit, right? I never, you know, I never thought about it in that way mm -hmm. and I can use it, right? So, I mean, the ones where they're direct questions are definitely more so from the people that are around today and that, I mean, Naveen Jain is a perfect example of that, which is the profile you're, you're referencing. Um, that is his language. Imagine if it was possible, right? Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, just speaking in this, or, or, or I'm trying to think of the other one, as I think you guys would like this one if you haven't read it yet. It's along the same vein, which is Ben Nimpton's, uh, What Do I Want to Do Before I Die? And he's, you know, he had a, an MTV show related to bucket lists, and they were there's a ripple effect on, on how, you know, you can help others achieve their their items on their list for example so though you know those are directly from those people and there are others but for the most part the idea is how can or at least for me the objective was how can i make this as relatable as possible to again open the door for people mm -hmm. but i'm so glad you brought up the other side of these practices because most times 
uh, at least I'm asked about or or we talk about journaling, mental fitness from the from the perspective of stuff is happening, there's high stress and we need to process like wild emotion, lives are blowing up, all this kind of thing. So these things are obviously helpful and I'm, I'm glad we have access to them. But there's a whole other side, which is how you're reading the book right now, right, of possibility that, you know, we can think about, okay, what do we want? And, and like you said, just bust out all of the all of the limitations and rules that we naturally, you know, put in front of ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. it's fun. That was a big takeaway from from our reading last night was, um, and I'm going to butcher the, the quote, but it was, um, if it's been programmed or learned, it can be unlearned. And yeah. it can be deprogrammed. And I've been thinking about it for 24 hours now, <laughs> looking at what potentially is programming in my life not as frustration, which is so often depicted in like, hey, you've been programmed, you've been groomed by society, by culture, by your parents. And there's this totally. frustration, this, this energy of defeat. Um, and rather, I'm, I'm pretty inspired by that. Like, hey, this, is, this was actually just a, a written program that's been learned. And yeah. of course, I can unlearn that and, and essentially rewire. And it's been really uh, inspirational just in the last 24 hours I'm looking today where are those not areas of just programming that's it books closed rather where are the opportunities to unlearn yeah well and that goes right back to what we were talking about before around productivity right like we were we were programmed to think in the sense of i need to learn when i take that walk with a podcast or an audiobook and and to your point like we we were taught that or that was programmed so it can be reprogrammed yeah right absolutely um, this, you know, we're, we, we've had so much dialogue, uh, you know, sparked from your books and your questions and even just thinking about like interviewing you and, and how we want this to go and everything. And, and last night, um, Chase and I were sitting at the dinner table and we were discussing the interview and your book and everything. And we started, you know, going over our stories and our, you know, we both hit individual rock bottoms where we feel like our lives are exploding in a way Mm -hmm. and we've had to ask you know navigate i'll say because i i wasn't i don't know if i was even consciously asking questions but navigating really difficult situations and catalysts and everything and um i we haven't talked about much about our story but really quickly bullet point chase and i were childhood sweethearts married very young together for 10 years and then we actually uh, separated and legally divorced. We are currently divorced yeah. and in love. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I love it. You know, like to say, we are happily divorced. Um, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, when we were separated and apart for three years, we both individually hit these very real hormonal, emotional, spiritual rock bottoms. And we, you know, looking back kind of retrospectively, now we're able to like look on the situation and sort of designate this um, or evaluate like what were, what were we, what question were we answering with our actions as we were pulling ourselves out of each other, like out of our rock bottoms. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting to look at it, you know, back on it that way. And um, I don't know if you want to share yours, but oh, you have to now. Come on, <laughs> I'm oh. gonna ask the questions. <laughs> so mine was, if I loved myself fully, what would I do? Oh, I 
Love that. Because I was not in a place where I felt any sort of love. I felt the sort of opposite and no one was seeing it externally, but it was all there. There was just shit and gunk and my soul was dusty AF. And I, I didn't feel love for myself. I felt disdain for certain parts of me. And I, I, you know, can look back now and I, I just started saying yes to, you know, uprooting my life and quitting my job and moving back home with my parents and taking care of my body and my soul and my mind and putting me first, not because I loved myself, but because I was trying to get there. And so putting myself in this, in the shoes of my future self that did love Megan, Mimi. Um, So that was kind of what I, but it wasn't conscious. It was totally subconscious and I don't know if you want to share yeah yours. and I think that sometimes is the power of the subconscious is like it starts to ask these questions um although it may not trickle into your conscious mind you start to behave in a way if you're motivated to be better behave in a way to start to answer them um and, and now what I love about this this tool is knowing that we're, we're essentially you know serving as Mark as evaluating these great thinkers we're doing that with our own life and previous versions of ourselves. Um, but, but me specifically, it was like, you know, my late twenties, um, I was full out, uh, working nonstop corporate, corporate gig, you know, working for a big financial firm and traveling all over the place. And, and I was exercising to the nth degree nonstop all the time. And then going out and having a great time on top of all that. And I know for me, um, the question that probably what my subconscious was, was posing was, is this lifestyle sustainable? can I be doing this in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years and expect help? Yeah, and great question. The answer was hell no, you know, <laughs> of it course. Was hell no. And so I started to make, make adjustments and course corrections and I'm still on the journey, like literally yeah, still on this day. Yeah. Uh, but it was, a, it was a beautiful exercise to be able to kind of reflect back and just take this other, other third party perspective and start evaluating, man, what was, what was previous versions of myself doing from a Q and A perspective? Yeah. I love it. But the thing that's the thing. I mean, we all know that these questions have have this power, but it's it's just everything around us is not set up to give us that pause, right? Or to or to sit down and ask the question. Cuz it the thing is, I mean, you're right. Subconsciously we're we're often asking questions, but I would love to make that a little bit more intentional because you know, then all of a sudden we don't have to go to these rock bottom moments. Right. If we were, if we're like that, that same question that pulled me out of that depression. I mean, I still ask myself that question. It doesn't have the same impact. <clears throat> it serves more as a check in. OK, am I am I on the right path that I've identified as, you know, this is where I want to be going. And it's great little kind of temperature check, for example, of what's happening mm-hmm. so that yeah, I don't get to a point where, oh, smokes, like how did that happen? Like I'm way off here on in left field type thing. Right. So just, again, these like micro moments of reflection and I, I've just, I mean, I'm biased, but I've just find questions help us do that. And it, as it turns out, that's why the, the book is called personal Socrates. As it turns out, there is a method for this that literally the, the guy that's invented it, he was, you know, he was born in 469 BC. So not inventing something that's brand new here. Um, and it stood the test of time but how can we modernize it because everything that you're talking about or so far is the first step was to get clear right Mm -hmm. some sort of pause to get clear and and that's what i'm trying to do with the book and that's why the book is set up in three sections two 
if you do the two, the third one happens by default. And that's just spend some time with questions to get clear. Because mm -hmm. then when you're clear, then we can evaluate and think with intention or do things that support the person we want to be become. Yeah. And I think Mimi, you mentioned it. It's like once you start doing that, then then opportunity starts like you can see you can see where you need to go and that's when there's an expansion of possibility hello my loves i am bursting at the seams to tell you about this brand that i have fallen in love with called toto it's healthy functional no guilt cookie dough Yes, freaking delicious cookie dough made from eight superfoods that can be eaten raw with a spoon or baked into actual cookies. The founder, Sydney Webb, was diagnosed with colon cancer at age 21. After being introduced to adaptogens and superfoods and incorporating them into her life, three months later, she was cancer free, y'all wild, huh? Now Sydney is sharing the superfood cookie dough with the world to prove that medicine can be delicious. Toto is powered by nature and innovated by food science. It is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and refined sugar-free. They use balancing adaptogens, brain-boosting nootropics, and immunity-loving herbs to give your body what it needs to thrive while feeling like you are also indulging in dessert. My favorite flavor is the sea salt chocolate chip, and they also have peanut butter chocolate chip. I have a spoonful after dinner, and it's the perfect little healthy indulgence that I never feel bad about. To try for yourself or your family, head to totofoods.co, that's T-O-T-O foods dot C-O, and use the code MIMI20, M-I-M-I-2-0, for 20% off your order. Then try to resist the urge to track me down and hug me because I think you're going to be obsessed just like me. Enjoy, boo. Yeah, I love that. Like sort of, um, you know, creating your own roadmap because I think someone, you know, listening is probably in this sort of transitory state or in this like my life is blowing up moment and it can be sort of overwhelming being like, ah, I don't know what the questions are. I don't know what the right question is at the right time. And, you know, certainly someone could just pick up your book and they're probably going to find a question that lands with them. Yeah. And if they're really doing the exercises, like I love that you give a blank page at the end of every profile, like to get your thoughts out and to journal and where, what, what is it eliciting out of you and go from there. Um, but just for anyone listening who doesn't have your book yet, um, for that person that feels overwhelmed, like where, where do they even start? Do they just throw everything on a piece of paper and see what sort of like hits them or, or, you know, what is one thing that they can do to be like, Oh, that's what it is. That's the one that I need to go off of right now. Yeah. I mean, I think again, it all comes back to let's be honest with ourselves in the present moment. So how am I feeling right now? Where do I feel that in my body? If I feel anxious is in my chest is in my stomach. I mean, often just identifying, and getting out of our heads and into our bodies to, to, to feel that releases it as well. But just, first of all, that's the baseline. Okay, that's how I'm feeling. And then how do I want to feel, right? And and see where, see where the gap is there. But at least now we know that we're here. We want to be here. Because um, then the next set of questions start to rise. Well, okay, well, if I want to get there, then... What do I need to do? Like, who do I need to, to speak with? Who, who can help me? Who can I call? 
Um, I'd say the easiest thing to get started in any type of mental fitness practice is to identify the triggers that make you happy. Those then become your practices. So what are the things that you know, without a shadow of a doubt, you, if you do those things, you're, you're going to change your state of mind. You're going to feel good. Me, long walks, um, journaling for sure, uh, doing a spin class with good old friends from Peloton. I mean, impossible not to get off the bike feeling awesome after something like that. Um, when I was in that really dark phase, I was still really big into uh, photography. And there was a couple of photography uh not museums, I guess, but just like exhibits in, in nearby businesses. So what I would try to do as soon as the narrative started to flip, all right, I'm going to go take a quick walk and I'm going to jump into one of these places and just take in the art because I know that's going to make me feel good and pause the narrative so then I can get back onto rational thinking because we just, we're, we're never, we're either in a survival state of mind, right? Where we're fearful and, and full of anxiety or we're in a creation state we're motivated, we're excited. We're like, we're not in both at the same time. And it's not that we're, we're only going to be in one state forever. It's just, unfortunately, we're, we're like over indexed in the survival state of mind. And most of us are not running for our lives from some sort of tiger, right? which is what our biology is set up for. Right? So now it just becomes to, to, to develop the self-awareness, which all these practices do. So again, figure out what, what, what lights you up. Maybe it's breath work, maybe it's meditation, but do those things and inject them into your schedule because the more you're, you're, you're doing them, the more self-aware to catch yourself when you're in those moments. And then when you, when you, when you do that, you can course correct like that, right? Again, just something as simple as, as okay, well, who can I send a message of thanks to right now? Yeah. Like you can, let, let's all do this as soon as, as soon as we stop speaking. I mean, just pull out your phone, look at the last five text messages you sent, pick one of those people and be like, hey, I was just thinking about you. Hope you're having an amazing day. Yeah. I mean, you've made their day. They're probably going to reply to you and say, wow, thank you. Now you're smiling. We all win. Yeah. Right? And yeah. we're not pissed off or upset at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That's certainly a practice that we can all do more of. I like scrolling, doing this a few times, scrolling all the way to the bottom. Yes. Shit, I haven't texted my sister in a month <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, kind of giving the people at the bottom some love too. Um, yeah. But this is sort of a, a you know, a curious and selfish question for me. But um, I'm curious if you going through this process of interviewing people and taking a look at all of these incredible historical figures over time and everything, and developing these questions or extracting them, was there any that are currently sort of like poking or triggering or like make you contract a little bit because they're that powerful for you and where you're at in your life right now? Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, so f first, I mean, if if I've done a good job writing the book or, or structuring and outlining how people can experience it what what would happen is that your your question your favorite profile or your favorite question right now will be different in two or three months because your life evolves so the book evolves with you and the questions evolve right so for me while writing the book certain profiles i was going through i've 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 used every practice that's in the book and reflecting on every prompt but some of them like picasso and jane austen i mean some of those practices as i was writing them i was going through them for the first time 
and I was getting just as much value as I hope people, you know, consuming it now uh, are getting. Now, though, so so that that served as uh, as as value in that in the moment in writing the book. Now it's honestly more so around probably a profile like Jane Austen's, which is around understanding, you know, where my how my life was formed and who who have made up the story the people like the characters of my story for example and all of those crazy times with the app and the corporate world as well I it all started there and those were just different chapters of of my life but acknowledging that those have happened and understanding what I got from them and and certain mistakes that I wouldn't want to repeat for example but now into the present moment I also have the luxury of and we all have this luxury to write the next chapter. And, you know, that's that's what I was pulling from Jane Austen, because when you look at Jane Austen's work or any great you know, novelist, those those stories are filled with different characters and all characters make for a great story. Right. So it's 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 not about just trying to only have like that positive human being that that is in in your life or whatever it's accepting that everyone will, you know they're different people but knowing where you want to take the plot that, mm. i think that's the key and we all have that again that luxury of spending some time in reflection to know okay well this is where i want to take the story and i can write that and i can decide okay so and so are going to be here there's a few characters that are, are spicing things up that i can learn from but the main, you know, this is how I want it to end. Yeah. yeah. But if we don't yeah. take time to think about that, someone else is going to write the end of the story for us. That's, that's so true. Yeah, perfectly put. And it's, it's sort of allows this, when you think of your life as a story and one that you get to write and be in, in sort of charge of, if you want to, if you, if you allow yourself that, um, it's sort of a lot, it, it's sort of, elicits this distance or unattachment from everything's happening to me, right? Like yeah. I'm a victim yeah. or I can't control anything. And when you start, when you flip it on its head and it's like, Oh, okay. Certainly there's things that are sort of out of my control circumstances, but what do I want to do? How do I want to write the next chapter? And it, it sort of puts this playful spin on it, which I love. And it's less about, woe is me, life happens to me, what am I going to do? And more like, how can I create the next chapter? Which is yeah. really exciting. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, there's a there's a whole other side to this that actually can be quite fun and leave you feeling happy and motivated and excited to actually explore that next chapter, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's just often we, we, we don't go down that path, right? Yeah. And the other thing too is like, I think the other, the big element when you're, whether it's reading the, the profiles in this book or whatever else you decide to, to fuel your mind with, like pick things that you know that will elicit the response of, I'm not alone. Like I'm not, I'm not the yeah. only person going through this. I mean, that's what I got out of, of researching people like Marcus Aurelius and yeah. uh, Coco Chanel. I mean, they weren't like, they're human as well. And they were going through things and they navigated and here's some stuff that we can learn and, and apply, but it's not just me. Right. Yeah. And that's why for me, like I still have, it, it's, it's quite surreal to have Ryan holiday in the book. Cause I still use his book every morning. It sits beside my coffee machine as the coffee's brewing. 
I open up the Daily Stoic and it's one passage and it just resets the perspective of, okay, like I can handle this too. I just need to reframe and it takes less than a minute to read that. And, yeah. But the alternative is I don't do that. I grab my coffee and whatever's bothering me follows me into the day. Oh, no it doubt. Logs up the mind. Yeah. No doubt. And just, just accumulating those wins and, and momentum, we all know is it's just so huge. And it doesn't have to be this grand transformative moment or experience. Most of the times these things start out as little wins and you build a little momentum. And then sure enough, a little bit down the road, you accumulate enough to be significant. And then you might have yeah. to take on something a little more drastic or a little larger in your life. Um, you know, a question for me, as you've been able to profile a ton of great thinkers, you obviously have a podcast where you're interacting with a really beautiful and incredible folks all the time. What are some of the consistent um, themes or messages that you're pulling out of these conversations or these uh, profiles that maybe are underrated, like maybe wouldn't show up in your traditional uh, success book or wellness guide, but, but are a little, have slipped under the rug over the years and you've been able to kind of pull them out. Well, you know, it's hard to answer if they've slipped under the rug. Cause I, I, I'm so like into the space that I, it comes out. Right. But I still do feel, and you can, you can let me know if I'm off, but I still feel like stillness is very much underrated because it still feels so counterintuitive to how we're programmed of being productive oh, you're speaking directly <laughs> to what i need thank you okay <laughs> good um and because again anyone that's been on the show or any of the reflections that that i've noticed from from the people that have been studied have taken that time to just slow it down because the the answers are there but yeah. it, it's just like, I mean, we've all had these experiences where you have ideas that come up in the shower or on a run. Well, I mean, what the consistent there or the consistent element there is that you, you're not thinking of all these other things or you're not in this massive stressful period or whatever. Like things are starting to happen. You're letting your mind work its magic, right? Because it's all there. Yeah. It's all there. So the stillness, I mean, we talked about Naveen Jain. I'll never forget the example he gave about when he makes these massive decisions and they could be million dollar or billion dollar decisions. And he has this team that's given them, you know, all the data and spreadsheets and, you know, everything you would expect in like kind of a corporate world as well as entrepreneurship. I mean, you're taking in inputs, but at one point he asks everyone to leave the room and he, he says, I need 15 minutes to myself. And what he does in those 15 minutes is closes his eyes visualizes the decision having been made six months down the road yeah. and asks the question, does it feel right? Mm -hmm. And if there's something off, the answer is no. And in, I remember him telling me, he said, you know, I've saved millions of dollars, even though it, the, the answer to, or to say no seemed so wrong based on the data. You know, that's where the stillness, like we're smart humans if we let our minds do, do the work, right? And, and compute all the information that we're getting, but then also tap into the rest of our, you know, our like our innate intuition. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I think that's the power of, of stillness. Oh, beautiful. I, 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 I needed to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we I, I, all need to hear that. <laughs> Me too. I loved reading that last night. We, I stopped reading and I was like, 
that's amazing. We, and there's moments that we've done this sort of like on accident, you know, but making it a practice and intentionally doing it is on another level. And so I'm definitely going to be taking that into my practice as much as I can um, to sort of develop and, and listen to that innate intuition as you speak to. Um, we've gotten so much goodness from you, so many gems. And I feel like I'm going to immediately need to like listen back to this and like take notes myself. <laughs> um, but we have a little, a, a set of rapid fire questions for you as we come to a close here. And sure. the medicine podcast is all about expansion and the true medicines that aren't traditional medicines. And uh, we, we would love to hear from you what currently feels like medicine for your body. We'll start with. Ooh, for my body. Um, I would say walks these days because I would always view walks as I'm not, you know, putting in enough effort in exercise. And yeah. Chase, I know you're big into <laughs> exercise, so I feel like you'd resonate with this one. Like if I wasn't doing a spin class or lifting weights, I'm like, oh, why am I exercising? But I've noticed just if you think about it, when people get older, what takes them out is when they stop moving, mm -hmm. right? You fall down, you can't get back up, you're toast, right? So like I just want, I want to be able, I mean, I'm still doing the other things, but I think walks, long walks are, are underrated because there's the stillness aspect, there's the movement, and then, and then there's the reflection that also takes place. Yeah. Never, never a bad idea. No, I love that. I'm, a, I'm a, definitely one of those things I've adopted uh, now into my 30s uh, and have, have I know, yeah. transitioning out of just the constant stressors of, of high intensity exercise. Uh, speaking of medicines for, you know, your mind, what, what currently is a medicine or medicines that, that help your mind? I mean, my, my default medicine is definitely journaling and, and doing it whenever it feels right. That's the other big thing. I mean, I do consistently have a practice in the morning, but also as things come up throughout the day to just take a few minutes to slow down and, and write that out or just check in with if there's opportunities that are coming in check in again all right what feels right like what what the question i ask is like what's in check here am i am i going off on a tangent because it's like kind of shiny and looks like a really interesting opportunity or is it actually aligned to this ecosystem that i'm building in, in the mental fitness space um so so it'd be that and then the other big one that i'm f finding a lot of value from right now is just breath work mm. kind of wim hof style breath holds and um I know, you know, we've talked a little bit about trying not to overstack things and just being really present for, for, for things, but I, you know, I'm guilty of stacking one other practice in this one. I feel like people would enjoy it though. On the breath holds, I usually visualize uh, either if there's a big event coming up or, a, you know, goals because now anyone that's practicing this type of work, like usually in the third round, you're holding your breath for two or three minutes essentially. And basically that's two or three minutes of visualization of your of your goals that so. is hashtag goals i feel like i can hold my breath for like eight seconds <laughs> oh, you've got to try this then yeah three rounds it's so it's unbelievable what what you can do just in this type of breathing breathwork psychedelic for sure yeah. um, what about for your relationship or your relationships what feels like medicine currently I would say the question of what am I pretending not to know, mm -hmm. you know, just 
really being honest with with myself as well just with everything that you know there's been a lot going on obviously with the book launch and whatnot and just making sure that I'm not too wrapped up in my own work and being there and present and realizing that there's 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 someone on the other side and which is which is my wife and five-year-old that are also on this journey and making sure that you know we're present together uh and then i'm i'm there for them and holding space for them as well so yeah i love that question there's so many questions i feel like we need to just plaster them on the walls (laughs) of our dwelling here because there's so many good ones Thank you so much for sharing your insight and your wisdom. Um, And uh, we are just so happy to be an extension of your beautiful work, not only enjoying it for ourselves, but also, you know, allowing this sort of gift to our listeners and our community. And I know that they are going to resonate with it and uh, get received so much value. So thank you again. We are so, so grateful for you. Yeah. Thanks so much, Mark. I, uh, where can people find you? How can we continue to be an extension of everything that, that you are about in this world? Because uh, uh, we, we definitely want this to be a, a longstanding relationship. Oh, right back at you. Thank you so much. I mean, I mean, I knew this was going to happen. I mean, kind of predicted it with our emails that we would really hit it off. So I'm, I'm just as happy and just as energized from this conversation. So thank you for showing up with that energy. Um, Pete, the easiest way to find me would just be at my personal website, which is behindthehuman.com. All the book details are there, uh, all the different places you can you can pick up the book, as well as the podcast is there as well. And and I'm accessible. I mean, I would love to know, uh, even it doesn't have to be from my book, but just questions that are really making a huge impact in in your lives. Just shoot you know shoot me a message on social media tag me whatever i mean as you can probably notice i'm a bit obsessed with prompts and i literally have a list of thousands of these questions so i love to know what's making a difference for you mm. thank you yeah. so so yeah. great so generous of you thank you so much all right you guys you heard it here better questions better life go check out personal socrates and behind the human podcast and go check out Mark on all of his platforms. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Okay, bye. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. This will ensure that every episode drops into your library automatically. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Mimi underscore the medicine. To learn more about our favorite health products, foods, and supplements we discuss on here, visit getmimifit.com forward slash the medicine cabinet, or just check the show notes below. Until next time. Cheers, boo.